What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Sorry to Interrupt podcast. This is a Monday rundown on an actual Monday. This is episode 109. Sean and I took a week off just to uh, recharge the batteries and everything right before the NFL season. Today we jumped right in. We talked about the Andrew Luck retirement. That was kind of a wild one. After that, we went up and down the NFL, talked about some NFL news. Then we went over to the MLB. We talked Mets. We talked Yankees. Following that, we did the NBA with the Dwight Howard, Karis LeVert contracts coming out. Finally, we capped it off with a little pop culture talk. So follow us on Twitter at Sorry Sports, on Instagram, Sorry underscore Sports. Check out the website, best website in the world, SorrySports.com. That is a fact, not an opinion. And also shoot us an email if you have anything to say. You want to write an article, SorrySports at Yahoo.com. Enjoy the pod, guys. We'll be back later in the week with Mike French to do a college football preview. Enjoy the pod. Everybody, welcome back to the podcast. It's sorry to interrupt. We had a week off. It's we're all back, good. Maybe we're back. We kind of needed it. We needed a break for uh, for the up and coming. Uh, what is it? Football season. That's it. It's about <laughs> to be a gauntlet of a schedule, and yep. we are committed to everybody listening. Just so did a fantasy draft. We're doing this last shit. night. Thankfully, it was post Andrew Luck retirement, which is what we're about to jump into right now. Yeah, that's how we got to start this shit off. So obviously, a week off last week. Not a whole lot going on. There was the baseball locals and some nonsense in football. But then over the weekend, the Schefter bomb dropped. We're used to Woj bombs. This was a Schefter bomb, and it came out of nowhere. Andrew Luck retires at age 29 from the National Football League, and it was kind of, the news was leaking as they were playing their third preseason game, and you started to hear fans boo, which I'll we'll talk about that a little later on, and how sorry that is, but as that's going on, it starts to be like, no, this wasn't hacked, no, this isn't like a fake Twitter account, like this is really happening, mm-hmm. and sure enough, he goes in and does the press conference right after the game in his Colts t-shirt obviously he wasn't playing and he says he's done I guess we'll before dissecting it all Tom what were your impressions of it when you first heard what was going on I felt a little sorry for the guy because I I truly think that he with every fiber wants to be out there but I respect the fact that he cares more about his life beyond football than just football well, was that what you um, thought Im- immediately in the moment? Because I feel like there was just this overwhelming like shot. Like, I couldn't, well, of course, I couldn't first, believe it. I thought it was fake, and I couldn't believe it. But then when it started to become real, like I don't think this is like a Brett Favre thing. Like I, I think I don't think this guy is coming back. Like I don't either. He seems really broken up about it, really upset. But he made the best decision for him. The Colts did right by him. They're really gonna fuck up their cap, but they did right by him by giving him all the money. Um. And, you know, I'm pretty much neutral on it. Yeah, he probably should have retired a little bit earlier in the season if he was having inklings of it. Maybe even the Colts had a high pick because I believe what they had. No, they didn't have the Jets pick, but they had a top. Well, they had the Jets second round pick. They had a top pick. They Weren't they in the top 10? No, because they were drafting where they were. They were drafting where they ended up finishing well, the season. But they I had mean, a lot of draft capital from that Jet trade. Exactly. So there was a few options for them to make a trade and possibly get a quarterback. Um, just looking at it from the Colts' side, I, I think Jacoby Brissett might be a decent quarterback. 
Well, remember um, they wouldn't trade a first. They wouldn't trade him for a first last year, which kind of led me to believe that they kind of maybe knew something was going to happen between that and the uh, McDaniel's kind of just skating out of town. I think there was just vibes of this being like pushed down um, with the Andrew Luck thing. But I mean, if you look up and down his past since what 2014, it's just injury riddled, collapsed lung or, or punctured lung, broken ribs. Um, he's got this calf foot thing, which I'm sure Let is a lot worse. Let me read the list oh, of injuries nice. for Sean's you. Okay. Got a list. September 2015, sprained shoulder, misses two weeks. Two months later, November 2015, suffers a lacerated kidney and partially torn abdominal. He peed blood. Right. That sucks. In 2015, it was, well, it was reported after the season that he had torn cartilage in his ribs as well, dating as far back as week three. So you're dealing with a sprained shoulder, lacerated kidney, partially torn abdominals, and torn cartilage in your ribs. This is your third year in the league. November of 2016, suffers a concussion in week 11, misses only one game. January of 2017, he ends up having shoulder surgery on a torn labrum that he played through the entire season of 2016. Didn't have some of the best numbers in his career. 31 touchdowns, 13 picks, but it started to kind of show that, you know, he didn't have as much zip on the ball. He wasn't making some of the throws that we had been accustomed to seeing Andrew Luck make. Misses the whole 2017 season after that torn labrum surgery. He comes back, and if you rewind 12 months ago, all we're hearing is about, you know, as the season's approaching, oh, he's throwing, he's throwing, but it's a Nerf football. Remember, everybody was all excited about the Nerf football. And now he's been dealing with this calf strain, which is always a mystery injury. We lived it with Kevin Durant all through the basketball season. So this guy has just gotten beaten, battered, and bruised. Which is why I really don't feel that bad for the Colts, because... He was the most pressured quarterback by a mile throughout almost his entire career. They did a terrible job drafting. They ruined a full draft by trading for Trent Richardson. I mean, their most recent two drafts have been really good, more on the defensive side than Under the offensive the new GM. side. Under their new GM, but the former GM just did a terrible job, and I don't feel bad for Jim Irsay. is not a great owner as it is, but... That's why I don't really feel bad for the franchise. You left this guy, you're going to build your team around a quarterback, but not put the most important thing around him, which is an offensive line, and just hang him out there to dry. He was getting tossed around like a rag doll. He's a big guy, but, I mean, you see with Cam Newton, too. How many hits are you going to survive? Yeah, Newton kind of, I don't think he'll retire, but Newton is starting to get kind of this Andrew Luck phase where he's hurt all the time. It's always something Mm -hmm. because he has very little protection. I mean, he plays, you know, very recklessly just like Luck did, and um, we'll see what happens in his career, but – it's complete dereliction of duty on the part of the previous general manager. You know, you get this incredible prize possession. I mean, think about just retrospectively, dude, how lucky that organization was to have 15 years of Peyton Manning, have him get hurt, luck into the first pick, no pun intended, and draft who was the best quarterback prospect in the draft since Peyton Manning. And then you don't give him any kind of support it, that's just unbelievable, you know, incompetence. Yeah, no. It, aside from the Patriots, they've probably had the best quarterback run of anybody with the two combined of Peyton Manning and, and Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck played, what, seven years? You got 15 out of Peyton Manning? You can't beat that, and you only end up with one Super Bowl. The Patriots have, what, six? Yeah. It's, it's crazy. Re- that's bad ownership. That's bad that's just bad all around. Now, you mentioned, you know, maybe he could have retired 
earlier in camp and given the team a chance to maybe look elsewhere for quarterbacks. I think they like Brissett, but you know, possibly there were other options. When Aside you say that, do you think guy, that though, do you I don't think, think that this was option. really just something that came out of that came out of nowhere? No. Or, so. He really? Do you really think it was up till week three of the preseason? I, I think he was really think, trying to rehab this thing, and he just realized he can't do it. I just think there was multiple times where he was close because, I mean, there's just too much writing on the wall. You have the McDaniels skating out of town thing, and then you have the, um, which might have been more correlated with we don't know what the fuck's up with is a shoulder because that was when he was coming, coming back from that shoulder surgery. But the Brissett thing is very interesting as well because, I mean, Jacoby Brissett's a fine young player, but a first-round pick is like gold. So I think there was inklings. I think he was probably teetering during some of the other rehabs. But I think just enough is enough at a point for the guy. And their offensive line, aside from the stud that they had out of Notre Dame last year, still isn't the best. So, I mean, they were a lot better last year. but Well, they're building. They have, they have a line now that looks like it's finally ready to protect the quarterback and, and be very productive, be among the league's best. Quentin Nelson leading that charge. Now, when I think about Andrew Luck and just the rash of injuries, and I think of him retiring at age 29, you know, we saw Barry Sanders do this, what, 20 years ago, and that was the first, like, whoa moment, a guy in his prime retiring. And obviously, that guy suffered so many, you know, hits at the hands of an awful offensive line and a terrible team in Detroit. But not too far removed, we're only a couple years now from Calvin Johnson calling it quits mm-hmm. because of his concussions and his, you know, he, he didn't like the way his body was handled and, and he just figured he had all these business ventures and didn't want to continue to put his body on the line knowing he had a lot more to give. I don't know if this is going to set a precedent, but seeing a guy of Lux caliber, quarterback, golden boy, all this money walking away at 29 because of the injuries, I think that we're going to get to a point, and we might not be there yet, and this could be more 10, 15 years down the line. But I want to get your take on it, man. Do you think that this could set kind of a a trend for guys to say, let me get my money as much as I possibly can? Because this is now, I know he's a quarterback and it's a little different, but this is why I never criticize guys for holding out in the NFL. You have probably one or two opportunities to get paid. And if you're playing at the top of your game, you should do it. But guys in their prime or, you know, only a couple years, seven years in the league is not long for a quarterback most people thought was going to play 15 or 20. It's not that he doesn't have a burning desire to play football. He loves football. But it's just gotten to the point now where he, he said just this constant cycle of injury, rehab, try to play hurt. It's not the football. It's everything else. Exactly. And I think all these other guys, they're getting into the business game. They they have different interests that can that can make them happy outside of football. Do you think that this could maybe set a precedent down the line soon of be of guys just saying, let me get my money on one or two short deals and, and I'm out before 30? I think... I don't think so. I think that it really depends. It's a case-to-case basis in my book. Andrew Luck's a smart guy. He went to Stanford. He's probably going to end up either being a businessman or being an announcer or have a great career ahead of him. But you're still going to have the guys like Tom Brady that just won't hang it up because they love football more than they love life itself. It's going to be a mix just like it's been now. I think we'll see it a little bit more often just because there's those guys that don't have the love for the game. They're just trying to get the bag and get out. But I don't think it's going to become a trend because I think there's going to be plenty of guys like Tom Brady out there that are doing anything to stay on the field, and you're going to have to drag them off the field. 
Yeah, I agree with you. I don't think it'll be a trend, but I do think that we will be seeing it a little bit more often. And again, it's not to be... There's a difference between loving the game and obsessing over the game. And I think Andrew Luck was obsessive about football. I know he had his architecture degree from Stanford, and he's very bright and can do a lot of different things. A lot of these other guys, you know, Calvin Johnson was very skilled. He went to Georgia Tech, obviously very smart guy. A lot of these players can have avenues to do other things. Football is their love, but eventually, you know, you look up and down the line of the in the history of this league where guys just played and you see them 10 years removed and not just the CTE, but, you know, they can't walk or they have all these other injuries and they're damaged and they can't move by the time they're 55 years old. And I think now with the players, although the contracts aren't guaranteed, they are very lucrative. You get paid a lot more than players used to have to put up with in the old days, you know, one or two big contracts, If you, especially if you're a high-prized rookie, get your rookie deal, get an extension, maybe make one more deal, and you're out by 30. That's eight years, seven years in the league. It has nothing to do with not loving football. It just is like I gave everything I had to the sport, and I really don't have to give any more. I think that's something we could see. Absolutely. The thing that's interesting about Andrew Luck is is how he'll be remembered just because he – he won one playoff game. No, he won four, I think. Uh, he went to the championship game that one year and got shellacked by the Patriots. He beat. He beat that. He had that incredible comeback with the Chiefs with the Jamal Charles concussion. But for me, I just think it's what could have been, you know. And and that's just the way it goes sometimes. Because this guy could have been a top three quarterback ever, in my opinion, just with his skills. But that's how I'm gonna remember him. Is what could have been. What about you? I think that's the only way you can. Yeah, the word I would use is, you know, a little unfulfilled. Yeah. And it was, you know, we talked about our quarterback rankings. I think he's probably feeling the same way. Yeah, oh, I'm sure. I mean, we talked about our quarterback rankings, right? Like, we did that whole show on it. And we were we put him in Tier 1 because that's where he belonged. What tier are we putting Jacoby Brissett now that he's a starter? Uh, Maybe 5. He's played some games and has had some success. I mean, that team he stepped into two years ago was obviously very bad. I'll go with five, but I think I like five that. is fair, but, okay. um, Who you know, moving up we're, to one? we're screaming Drew Brees. Yeah. I guess you could probably put Brees there. Okay. Um, he was my first in tier two. So I guess moving him up to tier one, but we talked about, you know, guys like Eli Manning where, okay. Yeah, he's he's had horrible numbers, and he, he has not produced to the level that people think he should for a two-time Super Bowl MVP, right? Well, it's like anything else. The, what help has he had, really? I mean, wide receivers that are constantly hurt, absolutely no offensive line to speak of prior to Saquon showing up, no running game. When you look at Andrew Luck, I mean, this is a prized possession. You said it yourself. You've got to protect him at all costs, and to not do that, you're, you're going to just kill the guy to the point where it, he's damaged goods. And I think about if he was in a better situation with a team that drafted better and put more weapons around him and more stability around him, we saw what he did with a bad team. Imagine what he could have done with a great team. And that's why we put him in Tier 1 because most quarterbacks can't take teams that overall aren't phenomenal. I mean, what was that 2012, 2013, 14 team without him? Maybe six wins. We saw what they were with Brissett. You know, that was before they made the off, the wholesale offensive line changes, but you get my point. They're not a great team. It'll be very interesting to see what they are this year. 
Now, I want to talk about this. Him getting booed. I get the initial reaction of fans. Fan is short for fanatics, right? They're lunatics. We're fans. Try to be a little bit more tempered, but we're fans. What was your reaction to that? I I just think it's stupid because the guy, it's not like... It's not like he had a healthy career and he just was like, I hate this now or whatever. Like, He's worked his balls off for how many years to rehab and he just can't do it anymore. And that's my thing. He's given his heart and soul to the team and they haven't given it back to him. At the end of the day, I mean, look at how badly they fucked him. He had T.Y. Hilton and no other weapons. They went and traded for fucking Trent Richardson. How'd that go? I think he's playing in the AAFL or whatever the hell it's called. And they put no offensive line around him. I mean, you should be mad at your team that this guy's fucking retiring because he's been hurt all the time because of them instead of getting mad at Andrew Luck. I could get it. You're bitter, but I thought Indianapolis was better than that. Yeah, I would say... Is Indianapolis welcome on the pod? The whole Indiana period. Yeah, I want to get their take. Um, No, I, I I was not shocked, but I was still upset. I mean... We've seen fans now, I mean, especially NFL fans, you're a huge fan of your team. Indianapolis's fan base is crazy. I mean, they love that Colts team. But you've got fantasy hole. I mean, the first, what, what does that say about us as a generation of fans where the first thing we think about is this guy's retiring and making the hardest decision of his life is, oh, my God, this is how this is going to affect my fantasy team. I thought it. I'm just glad the draft was after. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I'm, but I'm just saying in totality, that's just such a sad, it's a sad place to be in where we do not care about another person's well-being until we have to take a step back from how they're going to affect our fantasy team or the team we root for. You know, it's crazy to be that way. But this is, you know, we're, we're two months removed from ter- the entire country of Toronto s- standing and cheering when Kevin Durant's Achilles snapped. I mean, I, I'm a fan. I love to watch my team win. If I'm looking at pitching matchups in the Yankee series and I see a guy gets hurt, I'm always feeling good because it's like, okay, well, maybe we have a better chance to win. But it's always better to win with better competition, you know, against better competition or see the best athletes play. If you get a break here and there, you know, if you boo your quarterback for not playing well, if you boo your favorite hitter for not not producing, that's one thing. But to to criticize them making a brutally hard decision to just for the overall benefit of their rest of their lives, I thought was pretty pathetic. Uh, like you said, retrospectively, this Colts fan base should love him as much as they loved Peyton because if he had half of what Peyton had during the tenure of his career after the first few, I mean, they could have, they could have been challenging New England for years. Absolutely. All right, last question, then we'll move on to some more NFL. Do, do you ever think – do you think he plays another snap in the NFL? I do not. I think he really is done. I, I think I he think definitely believes that, you know, he gave his heart and soul to the sport. You immediately start hearing XFL rumors in another year or two, or maybe, you know, he'll take the year and come back and do kind of a Brett Favre thing. He just doesn't seem like he's that kind of guy. It seems like this was very hard for him. His teammates love and respect him for that. And I just think that you can't dick around your organization. They have to now be in a tough spot. And I think that's something we should also discuss real fast is just where do the Colts go from here overall for the next few years. But I I don't think he comes back. 
As for the Colts, I just think there's there's no better quarterback on the market from what I've seen out than um, what's his name? I, Jacoby Brissett. But, Jacobi the tough, Brissett. but the tough part is though is that now you're in a precarious situation because you're not bad enough to tank, and you're not bad enough to suck. And Brissett is probably what slightly below league average. I think he's going to be pretty good. I think he'll be surprised. Okay, so good though. But not great. No, so, he's not going to win you a Super Bowl. So it's like, do you want to be in limbo or do you want to tank? I don't think they're going to tank because they have a lot of good young players. And I think they truly believe they can build this team around Jacoby Brissett, which is why they held on to that first round, or they held on to him instead of taking the draft pick. I think Brissett is on a one-year scholarship. I, I tend to agree with that. And again, I could see them starting to make, if they know that the key to the, to the rest of their future for the next five, six years hinges upon the O-line and getting another quarterback. I could see them starting to sell off assets for draft capital and build through an offensive line and make sure you get a young quarterback, a a, a good young quarterback, because this really throws a monkey wrench into them. I mean, honestly, they're in a tough spot now. Luckily for the Colts, the AFC is very weak this year. Very weak, and the AFC South is even worse. This is lucky for the Jets because... I mean, I think they have a much better chance of making the playoffs now. Yeah. No, I would agree. I think for all those teams kind of on the bubble in the AFC, I mean, you definitely feel better about playing the Colts with Jacoby Brissett than Andrew Luck. But either way, let's continue on with the NFL. That was just a crazy story, though, a real bombshell. Um, Ezekiel Elliott was offered a contract from the Cowboys, Will's Cowboys, uh, to make him a top-paid running back in the league. Second best paid running back in the league behind Todd Gurley. So no, but no agreement's been reached. So I guess my question is, is it, does he feel like he's better than Gurley and that's his, that's his benchmark? Or do you think like we kind of scoffed at him? I know we didn't do a podcast last week, but when Jerry Jones made those stupid comments, like, Oh, Zeke who? And I know he was being tongue in cheek, but apparently Zeke wasn't happy with it. Zeke's agent said he wasn't happy about it. You cannot be happy about it, but that's a lot of money. That's and I a think lot it of has money. more to do with the fact that I think he's worth more than Todd Gurley. The problem is, is that yes, he is worth more than Todd Gurley right now, but that contract was given to Todd Gurley when Todd Gurley was worth more than Ezekiel Elliott. So it's going to be a standoff. And I don't know who's going to blink first. To be honest, I think it's still the Cowboys. Yeah. If you're going to offer him top two running back in the league money, you got to imagine a deal is going to get done. And if it's not getting done, I mean, we're getting we're close now, man. We're we're a week and a half away from week one. Can't wait. So you you better start deciding. I love the beginning of the season because it's still warm out. You can watch outside. Look at this. Tom's nice. already planning his Sundays. This is great. I can't wait. This is awesome. You might going to be cuddled up in bed with your coffee. That's right. It's going <laughs> to be quite romantic. Um, but yeah, it's going to be awesome, man. I, I am excited. But you got to believe this is week one. They're going to pay pretty close. Well, it sounds like they're ready to. So when's he getting? When's he coming in? Camp is basically over. He doesn't have to put up with all that bullshit. So you got to believe if a deal's not done by Labor Day, which is a week from today, he's going to miss week one. Or at least be incredibly limited. Because so I don't do care think? what conditioning you're doing. It's not game conditioning. So what do you think? Is a deal done by Labor Day? I think a deal gets done no. by Labor Day, but I don't know if he's playing week one. I think a deal gets done too. I don't know about the playing. Maybe he's very limited. All right. So what's our next topic here, my friend? A little Antonio Brown. Why don't we talk Melvin Gordon first? Because that's another holdout. Okay. Um, 
This so you're hijacking the, the subject, so that's all right. Yeah, absolutely. I'm the CEO. I know what the fuck I want. Um, you should just be happy to be here. Um, no, I let you in the door. You should th- your badge still works. It's sorry, sports headquarters. You should be happy. Every day that your badge works, you should say, thank you, God. I will absolutely never do that. My God, you're referring that. to me, the yeah, CEO. No, 100% not. Um, this one's a little more perplexing because they have Eckler and Jackson, and we've gone over all that shit. I just thought, you know... If there was a deal that was going to get done to integrate him into the offense and have him locked and loaded for week one and ready to go, I just thought something would be done already. He's getting traded. Okay. Where? I mean, there's a couple of good destinations. I think Tampa makes a fuck ton of sense. Mm -hmm. They're all in with Jameis. You bring in Arians and Leftwich to work with him. You're giving him weapons. Give him a top running back. Mm-hmm. Sink or swim time for Jameis in his last year. Doesn't that make sense to you? This Absolutely. seems like the Khalil Mack situation, like last year. Like they don't have an incentive to keep him. Now, obviously, the Raiders should have kept Khalil Mack, but that team wasn't good enough where a top defensive end was going to matter. These guys have two other running backs ready to go. Maybe not to Melvin Gordon's potential, but they're still very good, and River still drives that bus. So, doesn't a trade seem like the more logical move to you? Completely agree with you. Um, I couldn't think of a better trade partner than that. I was saying Kansas City, but they got Dame Williams down there, and they just drafted another guy. So, they're not that desperate for it. And when you have a Patrick Mahomes, he's going to make any back look good. Miller's out for the for the season. They now. just traded for Duke Johnson. Yeah, he's a nice running he's a back. Third down but, scat back, but yeah, he can run between the tackles a little bit. It'd be nice to see, but I don't know if they're going to waste that new, draft capital. New wide open AFC South. You're right. You're right. So those are two possibilities right there. I think that a deal should get done. I, I don't think the Chargers have any desire to pay him close to the money he wants. If you're a Tampa Bay, you got to help out Jameis and... Like I said, it's sink or swim time for them. You're clearly all in, so make it happen. And if it doesn't happen, at least whoever steps in as the next quarterback has Melvin Gordon. And if you're Houston, take advantage of this now a little bit more open division. And with Duke Johnson, get an actual real three-down running back in there and help out Deshaun Watson, who's trying to solidify himself. So you and I both think a deal gets done. Yeah. Before the season starts. Yeah, I mean, Labor Day was when the Quail Mac trade got done last year, that weekend. So maybe fast forward five, six days. Okay. Something happens then. Okay. I hope so. I hope so. That would be, uh, I, I really want Melvin Gordon to play this year. Um, all right. So let's move on to our next topic, and that is Antonio Brown. The helmet thing, let's move on. I'm done with it. He's going to play. I'm done talking about it. I just think that this is. When you're talking about Andrew Luck retiring because the guy has just been so hurt and is and just you could see how agonizing of a decision it was for him. You got this fucking guy bitching and moaning about a helmet that he can't wear because the new ones are safer. Like, give me a break, dude. I, I can't I can't take this guy anymore. This really does seem like this is manufactured. The the feet are are a couple of things. The feet are probably worse than he says they are. If he has to keep making this the top discussion and not the feet or he just really wants to have hard knocks continue to be you know the talk of the town for the Raiders because there's no way that this helmet thing could mean this much to him where he has to dominate the headlines in the NFL every single day I don't know he's crazy 
I'd like him on my team. I'd like him on this pod. Anytime. Anytime. anytime you are baby. welcome, Antonio anytime. Brown. Anytime. All right, let's move on to the next one, and that is Daniel Jones, uh, Baker Mayfield's Daniel Jones. Yeah, right. Um, still playing well in preseason, and I'm not surprised they're not considering him to start. No, he shouldn't be. I, I think, you know, fans need to calm on down. But I am – I, I got to tell you this. I mean, obviously, we poo-pooed the first preseason game, and we haven't talked since he's played the last two. I see why the Giants liked him. I mean, obviously, who knows? It's three preseason games. He's 25 of 30. But in that Cincinnati game, he was airing the ball out a lot more, showed a pretty good arm. He's got that great middle accuracy, which we knew he had. And he seems to just, when he makes a mistake, he just turns the page very fast. Love that. Love that. Yeah. And he's got command of the huddle, and, and everybody says that. So, listen, he's not supposed to start this year, but you do look for a couple of signs. Whether we liked it or not, whether we agreed with it or not, he was picked number six to be the Giants quarterback of the future. And the worst thing that you want to see is this guy go in there and look completely lost. And he hasn't looked lost at all. He's played so well that fans are, you know, already forgot, you know, trying to make amends for booing him and want him to start. And that's stupid too. But in 2020, hopefully when he plays, you feel pretty good about Daniel Jones, at least based off of now than you did before. He's playing this year. Here's a chance. But whenever he does play, again, it's so much better than looking at a guy who's coming in and looks like they have no idea what's going on. I mean, I look at Haskins, and now he doesn't have much help. I mean, that team's no good, and they're not starting him. The Redskins already announced Case Keenum's going to start the season for them, and rightfully so. It's just the safe, conservative route. But he's not looked good in the preseason at all. And he looks like – and, and you know, you talk about Jones. He, yeah, he played at Duke. He doesn't. He didn't have a single offensive player that he played with drafted, but he started for three years. You see in these guys like, uh, like um, Kyler and Haskins, who are only one-year starters, go out there and have that little bit of a deer in headlights look. I mean, those are both terrible teams, but if you expect the Giants to be putting Daniel Jones in at some point this year, that probably means that they're not that good of a team or Eli gets hurt. So I like what I've seen from Jones a lot more than what I've seen from Haskins and Kyler thus far. Who knows how Haskins, the trajectories will work out, but clearly Haskins, I feel confident. I don't think he's I don't think he's going to be very great this year. I I hope I hold out hope for Kyler Murray. He's got some good weapons down there. A very bad offensive line. He might he might get hurt this year, but David Johnson's still a top probably five back in the NFL, probably top 4. And you still got Fitz, old reliable and Christian Kirk, so we'll, we'll have to see how things go, but I think, again, I think the Cardinals are going to suck, but they're going to be fun. I think they're going to be a really fun offense, and he's going to make a lot of plays. I think that the Redskins are just going to flat out suck. Yeah, that that team really blows. You know, I was excited because Darius Geis is coming back. He was supposed to be big time last year, and you have Peterson on his last legs, but the offensive line is going to be terrible. Trent Williams not playing. Who? Trent Williams. Yeah, I mean, I are they going to trade him? They say they have no intention of trading him, which is really dumb because he said he will not play. You talk about another guy that might just retire. He's like, I'm not not putting up with this shit in Washington. So that's crazy. I don't just know. Trade the fucking. Guy. I feel like it's interesting though watching like Haskins, Kyler, and, and and Jones, and it's like you know you're so excited for Haskins and Kyler because you know that there's a very good chance those guys are going to play this year. You know, Kyler should play. He there's nobody else there. 
And for Haskins, it's kind of like, okay, just let Case Keenum take his lumps. Have the Cardinals announced a starter yet? Yeah, it's Kyler. Nice. Which it should be. I mean, you 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 gave up on your number ten overall pick last year, who you traded up to get to get Kyler, so there would be no quarterback controversy. So he he's obviously going to play. And then for for Washington, you're just looking at Haskins to probably come in in some way through the season. Week four. But, yeah, that's probably a good time. Uh, that's usually when those rookies come in, right? But it's funny watching those two guys because, as I said, when we were looking at quarterbacks at the Giants to draft, I just always looked at it through the prism of this guy's not playing this year. So you get them a year in the system, a year to grow, and I just thought the overall talent of uh, Dwayne Haskins was better than Daniel Jones. But when you evaluate quarterbacks and you judge quarterbacks' performances, almost all of it hinges on who they play for and the situation they're in. And unless any of these guys are going to turn into Tier 1 quarterbacks where they can individually make up for other deficiencies on the team, Daniel Jones might be the best because he might just have been in the best situation, you know, which is crazy. Obviously, nobody knows, but if Haskins gets fed to the Wolves on a horrible team, and gets beat up and doesn't play all that well because he doesn't have a lot of experience. Same with Kyler in Arizona. And then Jones walks in next year with two preseasons under his belt and a full preseason or a full season running behind Eli. He might be walking into a much better situation than those other guys. So it's funny when, you know, five, six years down the line, you're looking at, and it could just be situation, but we'll figure that out, you know, in five or six years when sorry, sports is still crushing it. Let's move on to baseball. All right, so why don't we talk about the other team in New York? We'll talk about the New York Mets. So they just got swept by the Braves. I think we called that. Um, But they did sweep the Indians earlier in the week. So they are two games out of the wild card spot right now, the number two wild card slot. How do you feel about them? I'm still holding out hope that they make the playoffs. They're only two games back. There's a lot. Every Mets fan in the world, including Mike Phillips, who has a new article running, by the way, about the U.S. Open on SorrySports.com. Had to get the little plug in there. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, Mike. Every Mets fan's still holding out hope. I'm sure they're doing what the, what I'm doing right now and talking themselves into it. Yeah, I mean, they they had to after that run they went on. And who they have up next? Chicago. So they, they got a three-game set with the Cubbies, and this is a series where... If two you, out of three, you got to have it. Take two of three, you, definitely you still winnable. feel good because they're a team you're trying to jump. Remember that NL Central is all bunched up and all those teams are, whoever doesn't win, could the other two could conceivably win the wild cards. you still got Washington and Philly involved who you got to jump to. Philly Philly's just, been falling off They lately. just lost to, to, to Miami. I mean, they're getting their ass. They've lost nine of their last 11 games against the Marlins. That's horrible. You don't deserve to make the playoffs. You don't, but yet they're still ahead of the Mets in the standings. So... You know, the tough part about the Mets is, yeah, they're two back. The other part is, though, is they've got a lot of teams to jump. Now, if they sweep Chicago, if they take two of three from Chicago, even if they lose two of three to Chicago, you still kind of feel status quo. But if you get swept, your season's probably done. Then you're five back in the wild card with about five teams to jump. That's tough. I don't take two. I don't really. I I was very impressed with the Indian series. I thought that was. They played very well. And those Atlanta games. Two of the games they should have won. I mean, they went extras, and their bullpen just couldn't finish the job, but they were right in those games and played tooth and nail against a team that's head and shoulders better than them. But I didn't really get too discouraged about them losing to the Braves. I mean, the Braves are not who you're chasing. You're not chasing them for the division, so don't even worry about that. Does it suck to lose three in a row? It would suck to lose three in a row to whoever they were playing. But at this point, 
it's about handling business against the teams that you are actually contending against and make sure you capitalize on the inferior competition, which this whole second half they've done. So if you're the Mets, I don't think you feel any differently. Is it frustrating to lose three in a row to the division rivals? Sure. But the Braves aren't really your focus. It's the Nationals, Phillies, Cubs, Brewers, Cardinals that are that you're really worried about. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm I'm still looking at the the glass three quarters full with the Mets. They they still have enough time to where I think they can make a little run at this. Yeah, and you know me. I mean, I I still don't think they'll make the playoffs. And it's not. I just think there's too many teams that they're all jumbled with, and that's a lot of separating to do. And again, their bullpen is a problem. You can't pitch Seth Lugo three days in a row, which means you're gonna eventually have to get to Familia, who's not very good, and Diaz who although he had a big performance on Friday night, it looked like he was going to implode again and end up getting himself out of that situation in the ninth. You can't hide both those guys in the bullpen. Eventually, they're going to have to pitch. And with it's Giz- just hilarious that we're talking about hiding both those guys. Right? It is. And with Gazelman out for the year, which was a tough blow, if you can't use Lugo every night, two of those guys are pitching in high-leverage situations, and it's still, to me, when I watch the Mets, I've, it feels like a ticking time bomb. Yep. And that's going to hurt you. I mean, when I, when the season ends, whether they are in the wild card or not, we've got to look back and see what the total amount of games was that they lost from the seventh inning on that they had leads or the games were tied. Oh, a lot. Because that's, that's for sure. the difference. And no matter how good your starting pitching is, and I give them credit. I mean, even some of the starters weren't great for there for a mat, for a bit. Matts has really turned it around. He's thrown the ball real well. Mm-hmm. Um, Phil Reagan. The 82-year-old, everybody kind of laughed at it. We did, too. Um, he's been great for them. It, it seems as though he's, he's pushed the right buttons with those guys, but I still have so many concerns about that bullpen. Their offense is fun, though. he's 82. I'm just hoping I'm alive at 82. Right? And, I mean, this guy's a pitching coach. I'm going to be in diapers, probably. Well, he still might be. But. Uh, that's true. <laughs> at the rate I'm gone, I'll definitely be in diapers. Um, all right, so let's we bury the lead here. Let's just talk a little Yankees. World Series preview here. They took two out of three from the Dodgers. um, And Judge is starting to heat up. And he's starting to locate the ball a little bit better. And this was just his MO. We talked about this, what, two weeks ago? That it just it's like another spring training for him. We can't have this. But, again, Judge is hitting a little bit better. I'm happy to see that. That it didn't take him until right before the playoffs to happen. Um... Voight's coming back soon. It says here that it might be a, the next homestand. What are we looking at for Seve and the rest of the gang? Montgomery, Batances, Encarnacion, Stanton. A lot of guys left, but let's start with that Dodger series. So it was on the heels of them going out to Oakland and, and losing three straight. And that was a tough series because I know they don't play well out there, but the starting pitching reared its ugly head again. You know, you have Herman gets staked to a one nothing lead. Now, he pitched great last night, but that was a game in Oakland where he just gave that right back. And the next game, Hap was a disaster, as he has been. And then Tanaka had nothing in game three. And they don't play well out there. It's weird to play out there. The A's seem to feed off of the lack of energy. Can they bring it themselves? But the Yankees seem to get up for competition. Now, they have played great against inferior competition, but they go out there and they just kind of slept walk through that series. It didn't really feel like, I mean, I didn't watch many of the games. I had to watch the highlights, but it just seemed like the overall feeling from that series was it was just like, eh, 
just get us through to this Dodger series, which they had been looking forward to in the possible World Series preview. And then they come out like gangbusters against Ryu, who had a 1-6-1 ERA and an 0-9-0 ERA at home. And they bashed the hell out of them. LeMahieu, Sanchez, Judge, I mean, Glaber. I mean, they all hit homers off of them. Win 10-2. Paxton turned in a vintage performance. He was tremendous in that game. Gave you, you know, how what a difference a day makes. You know, you lose three straight with bad starting pitching. And then Paxton goes out and throws you six and two-thirds innings of shutout ball. One-run ball. They should have won Saturday. They didn't. But they hung right there with the Dodgers. And then they beat on Kershaw yesterday, who's had his problems in the playoffs. But as far as regular season, he's been the best in the last 10 years. And Herman stepped up and, and duel, out-dueled him. So that was great. You feel good about that. They roll into Seattle now for three before coming home to play Oakland again. Maybe get a little revenge in Texas before heading back out on the road. As for the injuries, you've got Voight coming back, which seems like Friday or Saturday. He's getting all these reps down in AAA from the hernia. It seems like he's going to try to push through that and not have the surgery. That's great news. Judge is starting to hit. If he can provide more power as Sanchez is heating up and, and Glaber's on fire, that's great. And then even more of the big guns. Now, Severino, he was down in Tampa throwing a sim game, came out of that fine. So now it's rehab games starting in single A this week. Um, Batances isn't too much further along, so he'll probably you're probably looking at second week of September for both those guys, about two weeks from now as long as things continue to go well. Jordan Montgomery, we didn't think we'd be saying his name this year, threw two innings of shutout ball in single A yesterday. And I didn't think that he would be really a part of this equation because where did he have room? But Hap's pitching tonight. If he continues to shit the bed, he might not have, let alone make a start in the playoffs, he might not have a spot on the roster. He's been that bad. And maybe Montgomery can come up and be another one of those guys who gives you three or four innings. And if he can do that, that's just all that much better. And Carnacion has the cast off. He's doing some light T work. So hopefully getting him back in three weeks or so. And Stanton's running and getting ready to head down to Tampa to do baseball activities. So again, it's just fingers crossed that those guys continue to get their rehabs in. And the guys who are currently on the roster just keep playing well. Keep killing it, everybody. Uh, and check out Sean's article about Gio Rochella, one of the guys who's been a star on the Yankees this year. Um, got snubbed by the All-Star team, but listen, you wouldn't be writing this article if everybody was healthy. Yeah, everybody check that out. Thanks for the plug, man. I mean, that was of course that was fun to write about. I have loved Urshela all year. I'll, make, I'll be the advocate for him being the Yankee third baseman of the future. Has nothing to do with Ann Duhar. Ann Duhar is great, but when you have a glove like this and who's hitting 330 with this pop, I think you've just got it. They might have unlocked something, dude. I said in the article, everybody check it out. You know, this he's not just getting away with a couple of hits here and there. He's tattooing the ball. He's hitting the ball hard all the time. He plays defense like Greg Nettles played defense at third base. That's not being hyperbolic. That's just fact. And you don't realize how great a great defensive third baseman is until you have it. And no matter how much Andujar works on it and how instrumental Andujar was to the team's success last year, hey, he got his shot because Brandon Drury, your old old boy, got hurt. Mm. That's just part of it. 
And I haven't had good luck naming boys. I think I'm gonna lay off it next year. <laughs> Frazier's down in triple. He's killing it in triple A. Yes, I think I think he's on the team starting left it's, fielder. It's next year, honestly, but. you know, and I don't I don't want to look ahead because I want to win the World Series this year. But of it's course. gonna be a really interesting offseason because you just brought up Jordan Montgomery, who like we all completely forgot about. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see what they do with their starters and whatnot, and maybe they'll go out and get a big, giant arm and then just fill it out with guys. I mean, CeCe's not coming back, so Montgomery's going to slide right in there nicely. But, again, they signed Hap to, what, a two-year deal? Mm -hmm. I mean, maybe he comes back next year and he's pitching a little bit better. I I don't know who else we're going to have to knock, obviously. He's going to be an analytics decision because I watch him pitch – and his stuff's really not any different than it was last year. His location just sucks. So I wonder if they're going to look at him and be and say, like, no, the guy's an older pitcher and he's over the hill and he doesn't have the same, you know, spin rate on his fastball or he can't, he doesn't have that little extra life on it. Or if it's just one of those years where he's getting bitten by this juiced ball and or every single time he makes a bad pitch, it gets hit. He just needs to, I think it's a mechanical thing. Maybe he just needs to tweak it a little bit because. The velo's there. I think the movement's still there. It's just he's making bad pitches a lot more often than he did last year. Yeah, he's not getting away with them either. No. So it'll be interesting. But, yeah, so that's all the news on the Yanks and the Mets. I mean, at this point, we're almost – Labor Day is kind of that last barometer that you check for before the last three weeks. And for the Yankees, who all have this division wrapped up, what it's just a matter of – Second best record in baseball? Uh, Yeah. They're just just run just run those guys out there. Hopefully Hope the you, Dodgers get a little cold. Hope you find rather have that World Series on in, at home. Well, I hope the Astros. I hope they pass the Astros so they don't have to worry about playing games six and seven in Houston. We saw how that worked out two years ago. Um, and for the Mets, it's just continue to try to play your best baseball. I'm rooting for it, man. Fingers crossed. Hey, I, mean, I, I as said much all shit along. as we talk, and we want to be right that they don't make the playoffs. I hope they do. I've said all along, the city's better when both the teams are good. Yeah, and we had actually had another article uh, written recently of a combined World Series team. Uh, Mike Phillips got the idea to write that article as well. That was a good read, and I think that team wins a million World Series. I don't think how could they even lose a game? Yeah, no, that was that team was crazy. Let's finish up with a little NBA, man. It's been a while. Dwight is back on the Lakers. The um, DeMarcus Cousins tore his ACL. I don't know if you want to talk about his career. I think it's all but over. Uh, maybe he'll be playing in the big three or something. It sucks just to lose a talent like that because he was the best big man in basketball for a few years there. Um, it's a real shame, but Dwight's back. Um, he's with LeBron this time, so it didn't work out too well with Kobe. We'd link him up with another superstar. Um, I just, it doesn't matter to me. It's a non-guaranteed deal. So who knows even, you know, like it's, the guy hasn't played the last few years and this is no, he played a little bit last year. Do I think he played like 10 games? For the Wizards, more than we played. That's a very fair point, <laughs> but that's not saying a whole lot. You know, we're not NBA players. Um, you don't think you can ma- lace them up and play a little four, maybe a little three and D guy? You know, I'm six foot. No, um, I don't. Uh, yeah, but you play like you're six eight. Yeah, against you're an above the rim guy. <laughs> <laughs> not against NBA forwards. No, um, but yeah, I I feel bad obviously for Boogie. I mean, say what you want about him. The guys had just the roughest two years with the Achilles and then the quad and now the ACL. You got to believe his career, as long as we've known it, is over. 
I mean, maybe he's a guy who latches on and plays eight to ten minutes for for a team somewhere. But the days of him being a a focal point of a team is are are definitely done. For Dwight, it's just you know what you were battling between Mo Spates and Joe Kim Noah as far as personal workouts to be this guy that the Lakers brought in. So congratulations, you're better than those two, I guess. If you can do anything, that's great. I have very little expectations for Dwight Howard and the Lakers. If they have success, I don't think it will be in any way, shape, or form tied to him. And if he doesn't play past, what did Carmelo play last year? 11 games for Houston? If he makes it that far, I wouldn't be surprised either. Like, that's, I don't have much, I don't have much uh, expectations for a guy like Dwight Howard at this point in his career. Yeah, I mean, his back is done. So and the way he plays is done. That style of basketball is is pretty much done. And unless you're dominating like a and, and being a physical force on the boards and and down low, you're not really serviceable for anything. So no, they were just desperate for a big man. Yeah, and listen, this is one of those no risk, potentially middle to high reward moves. Absolutely, I wouldn't. Say high rewards a little much. Yeah, uh, no, high reward. Like is, I said, I, I high reward very, is him starting like a game, maybe. If that's a high reward for Dwight Howard, then how how he's much he has fame, man. I know. Isn't that crazy? He is a Hall of Famer. We forget how great he was for like six years. Yeah, seven, no. actually, probably longer than that, like eight nine years. Mm-hmm. Really, once he went to the Lakers, it was the first time. It was over. Yeah, but that run in Orlando, I mean, he was he was Superman. He was he could do it all at the center position. He just couldn't stay healthy. Absolutely. All right. So, last thing we're going to talk about when it comes to the NBA, you wanted to squeeze this in there. The Nets signed one of your favorite players. You really like this guy, Karis LeVert, to a 3-year deal, 3-year contract extension for how much? Uh 52.5 million. You happy about this? I am, I, I, and you know, had to squeak it in. Obviously, as a net news, but it's, it, but it is no, um, noteworthy. I mean, any time that a, a team signs an extension to one of its young core players or who they envision their core players to be, I think is a big deal. We've seen this happen a lot this off season already, actually. And when you look at Karis Levert, I think it's a great deal for him. He's battled his injuries. Uh, he's had obviously the bad one last year, but even when he came into the league, he had the foot injury. And he was going to be a free agent next summer and next year's free agent class sucks. And I think he could have gotten paid a lot, but he also knows that, listen, he's, if he's one more bad injury away from probably not getting much money in his career. And I think this was uh, on the net side. They said, this is a player who, yeah, we went out and got Katie and Kyrie and Deandre Jordan, but you're one of the main reasons why. Did you just slide DeAndre Jordan in there? Well, I mean, he is name. I you know I'm not a huge DeAndre Jordan fan, but Jeez. but that was that was the tax you paid to get Kevin Durant. Oh, a hundred percent. A hundred percent. But we said that at the time. But still, I mean, you, you go out and get those guys that that move as we've has been well documented isn't possible without the play of a guy like Harris Levert. And this Nets regime seems very committed to their core guys. You saw them give Dinwiddie the three-year extension and over the winter. Um, Jared Allen could be next. Joe Harris could be next. But this was a really good move for them. And also for Levert, it gives him some security. It gives him, you know, that com- that comfortability of spending the next what should be his prime years in Brooklyn alongside KD and Kyrie and all those guys. And then... You know, what you do from there is 
see how the rest of his career plays out. But I thought it was the right move. I will be getting a Levert jersey. I wanted one. But uh, so you know I'm not a sellout with Is a Kyrie. Is it going to have sleeves? Huh? Is it going to have sleeves? The basketball jersey, no. That's right. Stop Show off it, the dude. arms again. Show off the pipes. Nah, dude. I don't want to see that back hair. Do not wear it in this studio. I will absolutely be we're rocking talking about key studio. cards. You'll also be fucking revoked. I don't think you're gonna so. Be doing, we're going to be doing a phonery, and you're going to have It'll to sit in your car. It's gonna, no, I, absolutely not. Yes. No, no. no. Buy a t-shirt. <laughs> you're a grown fucking Listen, man. Listen, just because you can't, you don't have the physique for it doesn't mean My I should be My arms are great and a cutoff, but you know what? Absolutely no. not. They do. They do. My stomach, not so much at this point. There I gotta get go. back. I gotta get back on yeah, the cardio. Yeah, what are you hitting the gym at all anytime soon? Nah, man. I gotta quit. <laughs> I gotta quit smoking and drinking and doing all that other stuff. But either way, no. I think that was. I think that was a good move for the Nets. Um, just shows that obviously they're committed to the culture while they bring in the big guys. It is what it is. Um, things that good organizations do. Just please don't get the jersey, dude. We'll see. We'll see. But definitely, I'll buy you a t-shirt. Two months that? out from from basketball, and that should be fun. All right, so, Sean, you threw it in there. I haven't had a chance to listen to it, but you got about seven minutes on the Taylor Swift album. Go crazy. She's seven albums deep. She's been doing this since she was 13 years old. How do you feel about this album? What are you thinking? We're going to go a little pop culture corner here. Well, you've got to listen to it. You gotta, I know, I will. Definitely. I, you're going to like it. Um, I was a fan. I really was. Catchy songs, uh, a little more upbeat. Not as crazy as Reputation, although definitely has like that three-minute, three-second pop song thing kind of just mastered now. Yeah, uh, you got to get the radio hit. It's easy listening. Like, it was a pretty easy listening album. Um, I like it. I mean, I think that for where she is in her career now, that's definitely, this is what she does, and she does it well. It was kind of like a blend of... 1989 and reputation so i mean some of the songs sounded exactly like they were just they were like bonus hit songs off either of the last two albums but it was good it was again it was easy listening she did a good job with it um yeah i liked it all right so go out and listen to that album any shows you're watching anything the summer's winding down i'm watching succession um and i still haven't finished that show about the uh the guy from fox i forgot his name but that's aside from sports that's pretty much all i'm watching i will say give uh espn a plug the um they did the 30 for 30 podcast on um the donald sterling affairs it's called the sterling affairs and it was just the whole story of how he ended up losing the team first how he got the team his whole story the way it blew up i mean that was only five years ago and you know Kudos to the NBA culture for just kind of pushing him away where nobody even remembers and also having Steve Ballmer take over, which is like the best case scenario because the guy is just great. And especially not, with the, yeah, the offseason. Yeah, and the offseason that the Clippers had. But Ramona Shelburne um, uh, took care of it. She did the uh, she did the narration, and it was really, really well done. It's, it's funny because they would never do that about this scandal in the NFL with the Panthers. No, I think this is something that it should be remembered because how this was, I mean, I remember when it was happening, it was during the playoffs, the Clippers, but I had never play. heard of Donald Sterling because I just didn't know that much about NBA owners at the time. And I didn't know his whole story. He was an old racist as far as I knew, but just how he got to prominence, how sleazy he was, how awful that team was not just because of the product they put on the court but just 
the the overarching stench, and you hear Blake Griffin in some interviews talk about how uncomfortable it was, and you hear players from the 80s, 90s, and early 2000s talk about just how uncomfortable it was to be a part of his team. Every I don't want to spoil it. People go listen to it, the 30 for 30 podcast, the Sterling Affairs. It's five episodes long. But I, I knocked that out in a day. It was just, it was really, really well done. Well, not not just tomorrow. Yeah, not just for sports. Sports was kind of a small component of it. Just think of it from just a big business standpoint. Hmm. And, you know, if you had a company like Facebook or, or something like that where you had a, an owner or CEO literally that bad and it come out on tape of saying that you don't want to be associated with minorities and what that would do and think how quickly, you know, that company would have to shift to get a new buyer, get a new, you know, get a new CEO in there and, and make sure that the public perception was better, put out any fire you can. It was exactly what happened just with a basketball team. Absolutely, man. I'm going to be giving that one a listen tonight. So on the agenda, again, I mentioned the articles, go check them all out at sorrysports.com. Best website in the world. That's not my opinion. That's a fact. Um, We will be back later in the week. We're going to have Frenchie on. We're going to do a college football preview. Um, I tried to nix it, but sometimes when you're a CEO, you got to do it's better for the company. This is true. And also, when we do the draft next April and you're wondering who any of these players are, they should be convinced to watch a little bit more college football. Ah, whatever. I drafted a lot of rookies this year. I don't fucking care. You for my fantasy you draft. I got it's for the company, up. bud. It's for the company. For the company, we are going to have Sean's lover on Mike French. Um, Tom is just so obsessed. And at the end, it's going to get exciting because he's actually going to talk a little NFL, and I'm going to remind him. I mean, we've had talks about it on the PJ and all that stuff. He is doing a Monday morning quarterback every single week this season. Yeah, you can tell him that. I, it's already a sealed deal. Monday morning quarterback recapping the week of the NFL. So that will be later in the week. And then a Labor Day special of the AFC, NFC um, previews. Pr- predictions. Full NFL preview, yeah. Absolutely. And then at some point, we're going to have to get it in, obviously, before the season starts. I think we, uh, we have a date with uh, Mike Phillips. We're going to be going on his pod as well to uh, voice our predictions. So hopefully I can be in the right. Um, last year, I think you did a little bit better than me. You predicted the Patriots to go to the playoffs. Well, the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl. And you also predicted the Vikings. So you were... Yeah, I was okay. a real mixed bag last year. Like mm-hmm. my MVP picks could not have been worse. My playoff predictions for the most part were quite good. But then I had teams like the... God damn it. It just goes to show like you go based off of a year... And you're like, yeah. In the NFL, things change over more so than anything else. It is crazy. So we will talk to you guys later in the week. Enjoy the rest of your week. And uh, we hope you enjoyed the pod. Take care, guys.